France win the first game against New Zealand, I think that sets the tone. I think they're the best team in the world. I'm going to go Ireland. I'm going to get off the fence once and for all. This is our best chance. Really. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports And you're welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday Here on News Talk John Duggan with you through to 5 this evening This is Football Saturday all the way until 5 Remember Football on Off The Ball brought to you by Sky The Premier League is back Watch every live game for the rest of the season On Sky Sports, BT Sports and Premier Sports Just before we get into it Just going to go through some scores From the rest of the sporting world uh, We have the O'Byrne Cup final in Gaelic football Longford won 10 Louth 9 points at Pierce Park In the Walsh Cup in Hurling in Leinster Antrim won 9 Galway won 18 in Darver It is Galway 6 points Donegal 4 in Division 1 round one of the Little Ladies National Football League. Uh, we also have uh, r- rugby coming up at uh, 3.15 Leinster against Rassie 92 at the Aviva Stadium. And also some latest scores. Uh, Northampton 13, La Rochelle 31 is the latest score from the Heineken Champions Cup. And also Harlequins 39, Chelsea Sharks 29. So this is Football Saturday. Uh, Liverpool nil, Chelsea nil. Uh, we're streaming the conversation. You can listen across the country on News Talk. Also, watch us on the digital and social channels for Off the Ball for Periscope and Twitter at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. We'll be joined later on by Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent, who's currently at the FAI AGM. Johnny Ward is in studio. How are you, Johnny? Good, JD. And we are on the line. Great to see you, Stephen Elliott. Stephen, the former Republic of Ireland uh, international striker. How are you, Stephen? I'm good, thanks, Johnny. How are you? Yeah, good, good, Stephen. A board draw, Liverpool Chelsea, was it? Yeah, it wasn't a very entertaining game. It was it was a tea, it was like a poker game, really, of kind of two teams that struggling for confidence. A lot of injuries in both camps as well, and the show on the pitch today. Yeah, Mudrick came on. Did he do anything for Chelsea? He looked dangerous. He probably should have done better. Where a half chance he had, where kind of a ball in at the back post, he probably took a touch when he may have may have on another occasion shot forced time. But he, he de- definitely looked promising. And he gave James Milner a bit of a runaround before he was substituted, bringing Trent on. But he he was probably the kind of standout player on the pitch, although he wasn't on the pitch for the full game. It was kind of if you're a Chelsea fan, you'd be excited of things to come from him. What do you make of Johnny? One of these early games that are not great, I feel, for the the tempo of the league. Or yeah, the, it's it, they're not. But I, I suppose the, the the wider context here is that the two teams are just really struggling for confidence and yeah. Um, you know, when Aspilicueta came on at the end for Chelsea, he 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 played for maybe 10, 15 minutes and um, produced a brilliant performance. And it was it was a cold day, and it would kind of remind you of the days where you know defenders kind of worked their ass off to get a result. But this was a game where it was kind of um, day for the snoods, Johnny. Day for the snoods, yeah. It was it was uh, like it was kind of billed as a clash for you know both need to win for the for the top four, which is quite remarkable, really, when we're in you know the middle of January or whatever. Um, but for me, the highlight was um, was Mudrick JD. I thought, you know, I just read about him today, and wasn't as wasn't all that aware about how 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 highly he was rated. But he just took to the game like an absolute duck to water. He he was very unlucky not to score, but his touch, his pace, um, and poor James Milner. I think it was a sign of where Liverpool are at. Trent Alexander Arnold had a minor mishap, so he didn't start. James Milner was sort of tasked with age ten years, did he? <laughs> oh man! And like in fairness to Milner, what a career he's had, but. 
this guy has so much pace and um, I'm just looking at the Liverpool team like Salah again today I just thought he was so off it Jilly so off it and even when Trent Alexander-Arnold came on in the space of I'd say about a minute maybe 80 seconds he gave the ball away three times um, gave the ball away again afterwards and did a couple of good things as well but something totally wrong with Liverpool at the moment Klopp was kind of um, very agitated on the sideline like uh, contesting sort of throws on the halfway line in injury time Chelsea have injury problems um, particularly sort of at the back I think they'll I think they'll, uh, they'll they'll recover and they'll do better as the season goes on. And to be fair to Liverpool, you know the injuries that they have up top um, are very hard to deal with. But at the same time, particularly in the first half, they look they look like a team which is kind of what they are. They just don't play together very often. And the demise of some of their players and the lack of energy that seems to be there now, like I do wonder. If Liverpool do miss out in the top four, which is pretty likely at this stage, will they be better off just not being in Europe next season, resetting and doing an Arsenal on it? Arsenal. Well, yeah, like I mean, I think if you offer a Liverpool fan now, be in the Europa League next season or have a break and and re- and refresh, yeah. um, because they, I, I'm not sure what's happened with them. But I remember at the start of the season, the Fulham game, and we were we were talking about it here. It was like God, that was very poor from Liverpool, but you're kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt. They've never gotten going, and at the moment, they look they look like a mid-table team, really, to me. Uh, Liverpool fans 53106 if you want to get in touch at a cost of 30 cent what do you need to do to change it to fix it Jordan Henderson was speaking after the game last week at Brighton saying they lacked confidence and energy I think energy is a big thing um, Jurgen Klopp was speaking to BT after the game let's hear from him now yeah, I thought we started well the first half started very well the second half so that was good you know, good spells really um, couldn't um, keep it up um, to be honest and honest as well so um, but said before the game we have to be ready for little steps and this is a little step we, we, we have a clean sheet against Chelsea which is good we didn't create um, awful amount awful lot of chances or whatever but um, we had them um, and they had their chances as well we defended um, if in the second half then a bit more with passion with passion than with um, clear organization because we, we, we were a bit too deep in these moments and um, that's it. So in the end, nil-nil. I'm okay with it for today because, um, how I said, um, when I said before the game, you have to be ready for these steps, then you have to accept it as well. So um, would I have wished for um, 45 and 45 um, minutes like we started each half? Yes, but um, so we can we can build on that. That's true as well. Yeah, it was hectic, particularly in the middle of the field. You, you were just yeah. looking for a little bit more composure. But they were from both teams. Yeah, both teams were very aggressive, so that's good. And um, when you when you remember the games we played last year against against them, the two finals, it was um, it was different games. But they were hectic as well in moments. Um, and um, so how it is? It's it's um, <laughs> everybody told me before the game, and it's the truth as well. It was ninth against tenth, so um, these kind of games happen, and it's absolutely fine. How I said we have to we have to build on, on stuff and um, we had good performances today everybody was committed to defending definitely um, we had in, in really in, in long parts of the game a really good organisation which is important as well um, first half in our goods where we won balls a lot but um, gave them away a bit, uh, too quick then played the first pass immediately forward without controlling it and even Thiago did that which is uh, was unnecessary when you lose these balls you cannot really uh, gain momentum but um, for, for the moment it's fine You came out in the second half and you really took a grip on the game there was that was that the moment was that the period where you should have capitalised on it yeah it would, be, would have been cool obviously um, but I would have taken the chance uh, the, the goal when Trent scores the goal would have taken that as well so it would, that's probably would have been 
been a better moment. Um, but uh, no, it's right. We, we wanted to, to step up. I told the boys, 70-75% performance so far, so there's space for improvement. We, 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 we can cause them more problems. We can put them more under pressure. Um, we have to, we showed the boys situations where um, where they struggle to, to defend us and um, try to do it again. Did it very well, but then the game opened up again and that's that's how it is. Tone of acceptance really there from Jurgen Klopp almost. Yeah, I, I found I think he's been a little bit lost. I mean, we'll talk about Pep's outburst uh, later on, which I think was a bit more compelling. But Klopp does just seem a little bit uh, downbeat about the whole thing. And he, he, he interestingly enough, their name checked Thiago. Um, I, I'm actually not really sure. I know David Myler spoke about this last last week. I'm not really sure what role Thiago has in the Liverpool team. At times, he just looks like he's kind of um, he's a little bit lost because they don't they don't they haven't under Klopp ever really been a, a kind of a possession team. They play with this massive intensity, but their midfield Keita kind kind of looks like a player that um, is never going to quite make it in terms of he, he gives the ball away sloppy at times and he's he's not like he's not actually that good defensively in terms of what he offers Henderson for me has had a really really poor season um, and he came on today Thiago I'm not sure where he fits in yet. then you have the likes of Harvey Elliott who's a nice player but has a long way to go and the midfield for me has been a major issue and I actually don't really know what role Thiago has in this Liverpool team Stephen Elliott what role does Thiago have? Yeah, Thiago, listen, we all know he's a very good footballer. Technically, he's very astute. But I, I just watch him sometimes in the Liverpool team and there's no energy around him. He doesn't exactly bring a lot of that himself to, to the party. And again, like Keita, we, we keep saying he, he's been kind of brought in. When he first came in, he, he's going to grow at the club. He's one for the future. But every time you watch him, you just you just feel like he's he's off where where Liverpool players need to be. He's not, he's not good enough to be in that midfield. And... Yeah, it's it's a really it's a worrying it's worrying if you're a Liverpool kind of supporter. I know. Listen, we can highlight the injuries they have, and they're going to affect any team up front. But there's a there's a lot of changes needed in in, in the summer. There, obviously, if we can bring someone in this window, we'll see what happens. But I think there's major changes needed at Liverpool. There was talk of it becoming a kind of aging team for a while, and it's starting to look like that. I know uh, Johnny mentioned Henderson there. Listen, Henderson's been a superb player over the years. Like won the Premier League, Champions League. And you can't fault him the effort he's put in after Stevie Gerrard left the club to kind of carry that that captaincy on. But there's a lot of change, even like even like when you do have your injuries. Like no disrespect, I know we mentioned Milner already. You're not going to be James Milner. Like he's not the type of player that that Liverpool should have in their starting eleven, especially not a, not a right back where you need quick players in today's game. And yeah, it's just worry. Like Thiago, it's slow. You're looking at their midfield three today. For Liverpool and and doesn't does not you wouldn't be fearful of it. Like you're going into that game and you you'd probably think yeah we can overrun this, you know. And again, Gakpo up front hasn't really hit the ground running. He, he looks a little bit like he'll take a while to get used to the league. Obviously, Nunes came off the bench, but it's 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 really worrying watching. Like I think, listen, albeit both teams today were really poor, I thought Chelsea were were slightly the better team, and if they had a kind of had a number nine that could finish some of these chances then probably Chelsea would have won it comfortably because they did create a few half chances whereas with Liverpool you just you don't expect them to score I remember Salah like you think has he just kind of down tools a little bit because he signed his new contract now I don't know he just doesn't look anywhere near the player he was there's kind of going off form a little bit like kind of going down a little bit bad kind of where you're struggling for a bit of confidence but the, the whole Liverpool team just looked like they're struggling for anything even the crowd uh, felt dead today you know usually you're at Anfield you're playing against Chelsea and and the place would be absolutely kind of bouncing. Whereas today it was kind of there's no real expectancy there. 
I think uh, Jürgen Klopp mentioned the two cup finals last year. I was actually at the League Cup final myself and both teams that day, although although it wasn't many goals scored, it was an unbelievable game of football to watch. And if you kind of compare what we see in, in that cup final to what we watch today, it's 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 hard to believe that's the two two same football clubs. But they just gotta keep grinding out. Listen, it's gonna be very difficult to get into the top four now, especially with Newcastle looking like they're not they're not gonna kinda of drop any of their form. So yeah, it's I don't think Liverpool would be too bothered about the Europa Europa League. They probably I still think they'll finish in the top six. I just think over the course of the season, these players, when they come back from injury, the likes of Firmino, Luis Diaz, uh, Salah, if he finds a bit of form, they'll still have enough, you would presume, to finish in the top six. Obviously the likes of Fulham, Brighton who are doing really well at the moment. You wouldn't you wouldn't expect them to sustain that kind of that form and stay up there. But yeah, it's just it's just strange watching that game. There was a strange feeling. So usually you'd be excited about watching Liverpool, Chelsea, and today I just kind of you're watching and you're you're not enjoying watching it. Like obviously, especially if you're Liverpool, I would have been a Liverpool fan growing up, and I'm watching them, and it's, it's just like uh, it's it, it's the halfway point in the season as well, Steve. Like where it's now they're 19 games in, and I've said this before. When you take away that Bournemouth game, and their their goal difference is level. That's where Liverpool are at, and there there are a lot of elephants in the room in that Liverpool team. And I like, know Klopp has referenced changes need to be made in the summer, but as much as they're missing. You know, today they they couldn't start three really really good attacking players and I Van Dyke and Van Dyke. Van Dyke for me has not been the same player either. No. Um, even Allison for me looks he made a great save in the first half, but he looks he looks a bit unsure at times. And in fairness, to Allison, I think that's because you know there's so much lack of confidence around him. But like Milner was so lucky to get away with that disallowed goal. I have to I have to give it to the authorities for the way they've changed VAR, JD. It's so much better now. It's like they're they're making extremely complex decisions like that offside in in a relatively quick space of time. It's almost into the drama and they're getting on with things but Milner was so lucky to get away with that and he, he sort of it almost summed up I think if Chelsea had scored then it would have been an interesting game it's hard to believe it ended up nil all but um, I don't I, I do if I were to call it now I don't think Klopp is, is going to be there long enough to, to make the necessary changes because I think Liverpool are big time in transition and I think they need a lot of changes and for Klopp to restart again after the hardship of last season I, 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 I wonder Yeah we have Graham Potter now he was also speaking to BT after the game I thought the performance was good. Um, happy with the team, happy with the energy in the team, what we tried to do. You, you, obviously, we're playing against an opponent that is at Anfield. It's always tough, but um, not happy with a lot of it. We obviously wanted to win, but in the end, it's a clean sheet. It's a, it's a point for us and we move forward. Yeah, you started well and you coped with the pressure <clears throat> at the start of the second half as well. They're all good signs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought, thought first half, we, we, we were decent. Um, Obviously, a little bit unlucky not to get the goal. Uh, soft side is, is what it is. Uh, but throughout the game, I thought we had, like I said, good energy. Uh, I thought they started the second half well and we adjusted a couple of things then and got a bit more control in the game. Had a couple of chances. Um, so overall, yeah, positive positive day, apart from the fact that we won three points. To pick out a couple of individuals, Thiago Silva was given the man and a match award. He's a key to this side, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's he's helping Benoit. Benoit's that's his second game in the Premier League, um, who I also thought did really well. But to have Thiago alongside him is a big help. So, um, yeah, delighted with his form. He's, he's an important player for us, leader in the team, leader in the group. So it's nice that he's, uh, he looks like he's enjoying his football. And Mudrick came on, because we saw a flash, mm. a little glimpse of what he can do. It looks exciting. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not played football for a while. He's been on a mid-season break, so... We had to manage his minutes and he's still in that phase, but uh, I think you could see his quality. I thought he had a, a good impact on the game. So it's a positive point. We're seeing a, a more unified Chelsea side now. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we've had a tough period, of course, but for different factors and different reasons. But the group has always stayed together. We've always remained calm and tried to get our own perspective on things. But at the same time, you know, the results aren't um, what we'd like. But at the same time, the group's fighting, and I'm happy with the performance today. Graham Potter there speaking to BT after the Liverpool-Chelsea goal of straw. Remember, football and off the ball brought to you by Sky. The Premier League is back. Watch every live game for the rest of the season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. So, Chelsea, uh, it's like a revolving door there at the moment uh, with only one way, and that's in <laughs> uh, Stephen Elliott. How do the players, how can they gel with with such movement in the in terms of the squad? It's, it's not easy, I would say, in that dressing room at the moment. No, it's it's obviously Graham Potter's gone in and he's he's been unlucky. He's probably thinking he's he's the unluckiest manager at the in the world at the moment. And yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of activity going on at Chelsea. But that's we've seen that before at Chelsea where players kind of come and go and, and they make a lot of changes in these transfer windows. But it, a little bit like Liverpool, like it's kind of a transitional period there. You're looking for them, you're looking for them to kind of bring in players and you want them all to click at the, at the same time. And I think I think that the fact that they are doing that will give. Potter a little bit more kind of time to kind of put his stamp on things and I think he'll feel a lot better about himself now like after the, the last few results you know like obviously beating Crystal Palace going away to Anfield where where, where a lot of injuries and picking up a draw there and like he mentioned very unlucky not to win the game and yeah I just think it's for, from team kind of camaraderie you'd be wondering like will players be looking over the shoulder thinking well if he's coming in where, where's my position at the, at the football club but I still think there'll be a lot. There'll be a bit more movements between now and the end of the transfer window, maybe even in and out, out of that football club. Because again, you, you're thinking about the about the financial fair play as well. How they kind of how they're going to kind of keep bringing these players in. So they're going to have to obviously look at outloading, offloading some as well to kind of even that up. But yeah, I just think regarding the football side of things, I think Potter he, he seems a lot calmer there. Speak, listen to him speak. He he's probably he's probably looking at the fixture list and thinking God. Go and play away in a London derby, and then away up in um up in, sorry playing the London derby, and then away up in Anfield after after the results after losing three on the bounce. So to come away with four points, he'll be he'll be feeling good. And I think Felix, who got sent off in, in his first game, I think he'll be a big player for Chelsea. I think he showed enough in the first fifty odd minutes before he's sending off in the first game that he can go and, and do something. And so if you have him there, nothing more drip when he came on today, who looked promising. I think Chelsea are gonna are gonna pick up form between now and the end of the season and. I think I think he'll be less worried about what the future than what Jurgen Klopp is. Well, uh, all he can do is what he can do. Um, Todd Bailey and the other uh, owners are spending money like Brewster's millions at the moment. Um, and also the financial fair play, they're kind of doing it cleverly, eight and a half year deals for Mudrick and that does impact the financial fair play issue. Yeah. Um, Klopp, Klopp spoke about it. I mean, he's mentioned this a few times. He's on about the money that they're spending and you feel like he does feel a little bit um, exacerbated by the whole thing that's uh, exasperated by the whole thing that uh, others are spending. He looks at Newcastle and Man City and all that. But you got the sense looking at Chelsea today and um, mentioned... Sleeves mentioned Felix out like they they will be fine like they look like they're 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 they they have a lot of upside. I'm not sure Liverpool have at the moment. Well, we need to know who's buying the club. Mm. That's yeah. a big thing. Yeah, it's a big like. Do you want another Hicks and Gillette situation? You know, you, like you need a bit of stability around the the long term. I suppose aspirations. Uh, you, with the Gulf states, you know what you're going to get. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you're you, you know what you're you're, you're going to get with them. Um, like for example, Spurs. You've no idea what you're going to get. Uh, goalless in Bournemouth, uh, not in a Forest match. Uh, Leicester Brighton also goalless. Evan Ferguson on the bench today. Uh, Danny Welbeck replacing him. Uh, Southampton nil, Aston Villa nil, and West Ham nil, Everton nil. We're watching that on the TV at the moment. Moyes or Lampard, who's going to go first? And really, is it about them or is it more about like the way these clubs are being run again in terms of transfer policy and also 
like legacy issues, especially at Everton going back the last few years. But uh, uh, in the championship, we have um, Coventry 2, Norwich 4, a result. Uh, Will Smallbone has scored for Stoke. 1-0, they lead Reading. It is Watford 0, Rotherham 1, Wigan 0, Luton 1, uh, QPR 0, Swansea 0, Cardiff 0, Millwall 0, Bristol City 0, Blackburn 0, Birmingham 0, Preston 2, uh, and Blackpool Huddersfield is... Um, postponed because of a frozen pitch at Bloomfield Road where Mick McCarthy has uh, has turned up to do a rescue job until big, the end big of the Mick season. back in the game, yeah. Stephen Elliott, your former boss, Mick McCarthy, back in there at management, the oldest manager in English football, 63 years of age. Fair play to him. Stephen, are you there? Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's listen, for me, it's, yeah, I think he, he, he's obviously gone in there. He, people were probably thinking he mightn't have seen him, seen him in the dugout again, but, I think with the situation Blackpool find themselves in, obviously the supporting director has kind of looked at the football club. They've worked ever so hard at Blackpool to get back into the back into the championship after dwindling in League One for a few years, and they're obviously they're in a difficult situation to try and kind of get get the safety. And they probably looked at the candidates, and to be fair to them, they, they thought, Do you know, what? instead of going for one of the kind of modern day kind of young coaches, they've gone for the tried and trusted. And do you know, what? I I would back Mick and, and Terry. Uh, TC to go in there TC. and to keep them up. Yeah, I think he, he, I just think they, they know they know the league and we, you're speaking there about obviously the likes of Everton, kind of West Ham about is it the owners with the club, what type of players? But ultimately, as a manager, you've got a group of players there. It's, it's your job to kind of go out there and and set them up and to try and get results. And I think there's in the position Blackpool find themselves in. I don't think there's a better better man to make to go in and kind of do that. Obviously. Just hearing the games postponed there today, he won't be. I don't think he'd be massively disappointed about that because I'll give him another, another week to kind of get his ideas and how he wants to play and and it gets him to kind of see the players a little bit more. So I don't think he'd be too disappointed about that. But now I'm delighted to see him back in and I wish him all the best because again he's for me he was brilliant with my career and again he's somebody that has proven and you know I just think he done well at Cardiff when he originally went in. So I think Blackpool are in good hands. I think it's it's nice to see and uh, for the Irish lads there, Andy Lyons in particular, JD, um, Mick would have uh, I think a reputation for liking Irish players in general at the various clubs he's been at and Andy made his debut what a couple of weeks ago um, and it'll be interesting to see how he flourishes under him and um, it's certainly no country for old men if the oldest manager is 63 across the four divisions. That's it's not not especially old. I mean, No, it's not, um, not, in, the, not in today's world. Yeah, and I guess it's... Um, you know, consistent with uh, I think Kevin Kilban had a very interesting article today. He was talking about Stephen Gerrard and uh, Frank Lampard and this idea of taking a big job very, very early. That there are a lot of um, pitfalls. That if you, you know, he 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 spoke about other people he knew that wanted to kind of I guess like add to their CV. And Stephen Gerrard was on you know TV duty today and probably facing uncertain future because the. There are so many people wanting jobs now. I'd say the, the mean um, job uh, kind of, I suppose the mean amount of jobs that any manager gets now is probably like 1.7 or something like that because you don't normally get a second go at it. And uh, it's, it's, it, Mick, Mick knows all the uh, the pitfalls. It'd be very interesting to see how he galvanises them. Have uh, Lampard and Gerrard, Stephen Elliott, flown too close to the sun and taken things too early? I suppose it's very hard to turn down big offers, you know? Yeah, listen, they, both of them were, were unbelievable uh, footballers in the Premier League and absolute legends. Did very well for England, probably underachieved playing playing in that, that era when um, they kind of, they, they kind of probably, they probably kind of, two of them probably were brilliant and he didn't play massively great together, but maybe so. I think Gerard obviously went up the 
Scotland and he, he managed to kind of stop the run Celtic were on and win the league with Rangers. So I, I think he's probably got a little bit more credibility than, than Frank Lampard. I, th- I think Lampard, it's one of them. Every time I see him, and listen, I'm, this is nothing against how, how he how he played the game, but sometimes you watch him and I don't know, maybe, I think sometimes you, as a manager, you, you gotta you got to earn your stripes. I know he went in at Derby and did okay, but he, he still didn't get them promoted. And at that stage, Derby had a, were probably playing a lot of money out to the players and he had a decent championship squad. And I think they kind of, they should have went up that season when, when Lampard was was there. And he went on, obviously, he got the Chelsea job. He brought a few, few young players in at Chelsea, which probably gave him a little bit of credibility. But I don't know, I, I just think he's he's got these big jobs and, Again, I don't see. I, I personally, I, I can't see see him staying in this Everton job for too too much longer. I know, I know they're talking about bringing better players in, and but like a little bit like I mentioned with Mick, like you, sometimes you got to walk with what you've got. You got to walk on the training pitch and and kind of and just pre- prepare for who you're up against. And listen, the, the Everton squad. I know they've they've struggled for goals and stuff, and they've had a few injuries. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just think he's. If he wasn't Frank Lampard, would he be getting that job? I know obviously your name takes you so far, but I think still think you got to earn your stripes. And for me, he's probably been it's been kind of handed to him a little bit, maybe too easy compared to say other managers out there. And I think Everton, uh, I know the owners haven't been great, but I still think Everton are suffering because of that. And I'd be I'd be surprised if he if he's in the job for much longer. The the other thing about just the ma- the managerial game at the moment, and I remember as a kid, I was like, you know, we all liked football manager or whatever. And I think in my day, JD, I remember like match and shoot. They used to have this thing where you'd you'd be involved in like a postal league or whatever, and um, it was like postal league. Yeah, so you'd be you'd. Uh, You'd get stuff in the post that would like, and you'd be you'd set up as a manager. This was before, practically before computer games. Really showing my age here. People, some people of a certain vintage might be able to remember. I remember. So I got match and shoot. The only thing I remember match and shoot was the table when you had to do the little table yourself. Yeah, it was more than that now. Yeah, all right. Okay. I'm trying to think now, but anyway, in, in those days, like, how cool would Did it you be? Did you play football manager? Be a football manager. I played. I played um, match of the day on the Commodore sixty four. Does right. I remember that? Now that was like you had to. It took about three hours to load. So like you'd basically go out, like go to the bog or whatever, come back and. It'll be one of the old cassettes. It'll be, be the Bog of Allen. It'll be loaded. I wasn't actually necessarily a football manager. Um, I, I knew I had mates who like got into it so much that like if they got the cup final, they put on a suit and you know what? They, yeah, absolutely. I'm mad into it. Like you know, slightly slightly mad. But um, man, the managerial job at the moment, like when I was a kid, I was like, oh, it must be so cool. You'll be able to like ha- pick your own players and blah blah blah. Like look at Jurgen Klopp today. They had uh, a horrible experience last week in Brighton. They then had to play Wolves and they then had to play Chelsea today in an early kickoff. This is all in the space. No time to train, to be honest. You have no time to do anything. It's really, really difficult. You know, there's so much pressure on. There's no um, sense that you're going to get very long in the job. You've no time to really do much on the training ground. I think the bottom line is there's far too much football for these players at the moment. And for a manager, it's exceptionally tough. Like even Arteta now... um, and I think Guardiola was fascinating about the way he spoke about Arsenal this week, how good Arsenal were in Arsenal. Elaborate on that. What, 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 what you well, mean? like for Guardiola to have an outburst after... Um, well, it's a, a all com- tongue-in-cheek. I thought it was a, a complete mm, pantomime to a degree. I'm not sure about that because they came... They, no, you could say, I think it was pointed out by one of the hacks at the press conference, well, if they'd lost 2-0 or 2-1, he wouldn't have done this. But Man City have been quite flat and they have, um, you know, we've had Gundogan speaking potentially yes. about a lack, of, yeah. a lack of heart, a lack of... He mentioned the fans now. Now, if you're a Man City fan in a, in a sort of a 
non-atmospheric stadium and it's it's not the club it was and as much as you're winning you probably do get a little bit bored and it's not the most atmospheric they were club. out of line those Man City fans should never be booing their team off yeah I mean I, it, after, it, after it, all the success they've had kind of says what, what, a lot of what's wrong but for Guardiola to come out though he didn't, he didn't single out players he just spoke about the players in general he, he said, was brilliant where, yeah. where is the hunger but the Arsenal thing just getting back to it for Arteta Arteta's done an amazing job in a, in a short piece of time but that doesn't guarantee him going forward that he'll be able to keep this up because it, like there's literally a game every two or three days now and you just have to keep responding to it I think it's re- I think there's far too much football at the moment for, the, for, for, for normal managers to be able to cope with it uh, Ben Rama has uh, tested uh, Jordan Pickford there for West Ham but still goalless at uh, the London Stadium Did you, were you a uh, football manager computer game man you're probably too busy trying to find your way at Manchester City at the time Stephen Elliott no, uh, yeah, I didn't really play. The, you know, a few of the boys used to play you know, on away trips and that. They'd get the laptop out and just sit and stare at it. But for me, it just never really appealed to me. I, I was probably a FIFA FIFA man or a pro oh, yeah. evolution man. You know, but no, yeah, I never quite understood that because ultimately it's a computer deciding things for you. So I never really seen... For me, it just was so fake. I just never really interested. You know, the, the alarming thing for me, Sleeves, is like if, if I, as a kid, had the concept of being able to play somebody from the rest of the world in a game of anyone at all, really, yeah. I mean, I would never have been off it. Like, absolutely, it was bad enough as it was, but like, I was only playing the computer and, you know, the Sega Mega Drive or whatever. I mean, the kids of today, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd be utterly addicted. I have no idea what they're doing, to be honest. They don't. Of, uh, I have no idea what they're doing in terms of games where I think Fortnite or something is the game where I don't even know what that is. But, uh, yeah, we're showing a rage here, JD. Yeah, we are. So, um, but interesting point you made there, Steve Elliott. What did you do, by the way, if you were on the bus or I, I presume that's how you went to away games? Was it like the headphones on? Was it card schools? What was it in terms of keeping um, yourself occupied? When I was a young lad at City, I used to just make coffees for everybody when I was going into the four-stage squad, which was a bit annoying, especially for David James, because he used to drink about 50 of them. Did he? On each away trip, so he'd be up and down, like, and yeah, that was a bit annoying. But I think as you kind of get a bit more kind of comfortable, obviously, when I moved on and played at other clubs in career, it was just watch a film, get the, you know, the old DVD players out, like where you stick the DVD and watch a film or a, or a series. Obviously, now, nowadays, everybody has Netflix and, and Prime and stuff like that. So the, the world just keeps moving on. But there was always some to entertain. A few of the boys that played cards. or got, I remember I got to a stage where actually there was like little kind of little screens being brought onto the, the bus where you'd bring a PlayStation on. You'd actually set up a game at FIFA on the bus. So you'd spend like, especially when I was at Sunderland, like most of our trips on the bus were fairly long. So we got a good few hours of playing, playing FIFA on the bus and that. But you just did whatever. Some of the boys slept. Um, you you named like David James, or wasn't he the wasn't he the guy who was like mad into Tomb Raider and it was like he was on he was essentially spending too long on the computer and this is going back a long time ago when it was kind of in its infancy. Uh, David James, yeah, it? yeah. I, there was talk of that that he kind of he, I think he had had an addictive personality. Like and again, he just used to. I just always remember him drinking loads of coffee and stuff. And I, at that time, I didn't drink coffee. I was obviously only young. I only started drinking coffee as you get a bit older. When the kids came along to try and keep you awake, but because uh, Liverpool no, fans of a certain vintage, remember he was called a calamity James because he had this like um re- like really bad run of form in big games, and it came out. He always struck me sleeves as a intriguing character, like kind of I don't know. There was there was always more than just a goalkeeper there. Yeah, he was. Listen, he was a fabulous goalkeeper. Like he he's physically he was some specimen. He was always in the gym. He was ripped to shreds, and he he did he did quite well when he's at Man City, but. Yeah, he's ca- he, he must have been high, high as a kite and caffeine when he used to be playing games because he did. He drank an awful lot of coffee now, but yeah, he was he was a good keeper and, and I think he came out. He had he had some kind of issues as well, didn't he? I think and that, but now he was he had a really good career and 
But again, for me, me at that time, when you're a young lad, you just do whatever you're asked on the bus. You know what I mean? They ask you to, to do anything. You kind of feel obliged to do it, like because obviously you're, you're trying to kind of respect these kind of seasoned pros. You know what I mean? It's kind of it goes real saying. I don't know whether it's the exact same now for young lads. They, they tend to get a little bit more early doors now, so they might probably they probably live in a different. Or if you're, or, or if you're Rico Lewis, you're in the first team and playing outstanding football. He's like he did amazingly the other night. Sorry, who was that? Rico Lewis, the eighteen-year-old, the kid. Oh yeah, yeah, he came in. Yeah, well, he got he, he didn't like this Man City. I think Pep Guardiola with his young lads, he obviously keeps a, a close eye on them. And when they, I think at Man City, they play a certain way all through the football club. And and when players do come in, they don't look out of place. And yeah, he looks a really good prospect. Obviously, great clearance as well. The one he knocked onto the the crossbar. And I think I think City will be in. City have really good players coming into the team and obviously they've got a few players away on loan as well that I'm sure could come back in and, and maybe maybe influence the team too. But again, Man City, going back on what you said about Pep Guardiola there, I just think, I think he, I know Johnny says he wouldn't have, wouldn't have said that had he lost the game, but he did win the game so he thought it was the right opportunity to say it. And that's, I think that was him being fairly clever and it's interesting to see what type of reaction the crowd have in the next game and, and, and what way his players are. Now, whether he said, he was asked, did he say the same thing, if you remember, to the players in the dressing room and he, he didn't quite answer that. Like I got the impression he didn't really like the guy that was interviewing him, if I'm honest. I thought it was a little bit of an awkward interview. I thought it was all right. I thought no, I thought it was it was all right. I think I've seen Pep do a lot worse interviews, mm-hmm. I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, Jaden Anthony scored for Bournemouth 1-0 against Forrest. Um, and Brighton have scored against Leicester. They're flying Brighton at the moment under Roberto De Zerbi, and that is uh, Karim Matoma, who's had a sensational run of, of late, and also Irish uh, goals in the Championship. Alan Brown has scored for Preston to go 2 up at Birmingham. Robbie Brady with the assists. So Will Smallbone and uh, Alan Brown scoring in the Championship, where it is uh, result Coventry 2, Norwich 4, Birmingham nil, Preston 2, latest score. Bristol City nil, Blackburn nil, Cardiff nil, Millwall 1. It is QPR 1, Swansea nil, Stoke 1, Reading nil, Watford. Here, JD, Watford nil, uh, Rotherham 1, and Jared West Bowen. Ham. Jared Bowen has scored 1 0 against Everton. Might be a hint of offside here. I, I'm, I'm kind of it's been coming. Half looking at it has been coming. I mean, whatever about two teams lacking confidence, one just has. None at all, and I, I do, do wonder what Lampard if if they do. This, Everton are uh, going down. I'm telling you this. It's only yeah, halfway well, through the season. They, they look doomed. Well, they need to get. In, I mean, I'm, I'm giving out about it, but they need a new manager. I mean, they need somebody to come in and just change things. John Dice, um, where are you? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean Lampard for me, he was he was a questionable appointment. Um, but anyway, it was a cross into the box. Yeah, that's, I mean, look at the look at the offside trap, or otherwise that is that offside. The first ball, there are two players ahead of the line. Looks, Looks like okay it's to fine. Me. Looks all right to me. Um, Jared Bowen for West Ham United. It's headed back by, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Headed back by a, a, an Everton yeah, player. Anyway. Sixes and sevens They're all over the shop defensively there. And you imagine that the game is a bit up for Lamps. Yeah, Irish Toffees, uh, if you're listening, 53106, I mean, you must be absolutely disgusted what's happened to your club in recent years. You moved into a new stadium and spent over half a billion. And to be honest, you're going down the way that this is going. At the I, I, I think as well, like it was uh, interesting, Kevin's article today, they are checking for a possible offside, just moving to the new stadium, maybe losing the soul of the place. And, you know, the owner saying, well, I've thrown all this money at it. Why are you blaming me? But, um, Possible offside against uh, an Everton head now. You know, we'll, we'll keep mm. you posted. Five three one zero six. High lads, Pep is loading the pressure onto Arsenal. He's cutting no one, says Sean. A wise club always complaining about money. At one stage, he signed the most expensive goalie and most expensive defender in the world. He just spent sixty five million and forty million on two forwards. Another text. Hi guys, Liverpool need to reinvent their system. Mo Salah is missing. His playmate Mane in between the pair of them 
in shooting form that's 50 plus goals a season Van Dijk has never been the same since his injury this is not the same team that has been of recent years as Martin and Dublin Liverpool fans I do really want to know what is the story of Trent Alexander-Arnold I can't defend it's not even that I cannot get over how much he gives the ball away relative like Trent technically is as good as there is really in terms of passing every time I watch him now it's almost like every second pass he gives the ball away and he looks I thought to be honest with you, Johnny, I, I felt he, he did that quite a bit, even when Liverpool were, were kind of winning. I mm. think he kind of, when he, when he was on the ball at times, I think he was he was very loose with his passing at times. Obviously, when when it does come off and he's further up the pitch and he, he's getting his assists brilliant and his set pieces brilliant, but I think he's always been a little bit loose with his passes. I don't think that's a new thing. The only thing is now because they're not winning games and they're not they're not kind of blowing teams apart with their energy. It's been highlighted more. The goal stands, West Ham United 1, Everton 0, Jared Bowen and also Leinster have scored a try. They lead uh, by 7 points to nil against Rassie 92. You're, you're just in, looking at body language there. Champions the, Cup, Jimmy the, O'Brien. The, 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 the Everton defence, they didn't really even like, they didn't even really put their hands up for an offside. It's almost like this defeatist attitude it's, with them and I, I'd be very, very... Waiting. It's like they seem like they're waiting for Lampard to go. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen, there was a clip on a, online today of Frank Lampard talking to a, a few Everton fans like you know, I think it might have been in the hotel or something at the game, and the, the Everton fans he was speaking to were saying, "Oh, we're behind you. We're going to back you." Blah blah blah. But Lampard looked looked white as a ghost. He looked mm. scared, sheepish. And it, it, if you're an Everton fan, you look at him, you're thinking, "This guy's kind of leading us." You, yeah. you wouldn't be filled with confidence. And obviously, they started off today with a team that okay. that that have kind of looked like that. They have no nothing in them. And yeah, I would be very surprised. I don't think he's going to stay in along yeah. in the job much longer, as I said, but they could be going down. I think this could be the year where we finally kind of see them lead the Premier League. Okay, got to take a break. Stephen Elliott and Johnny Ward on Football Saturday. We're back after this. Off the ball, daily. And welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John, looking with you through to five. This is Football Saturday. Remember, Football and Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Stephen Elliott on the line with Johnny Ward in studio. Johnny West Ham two Everton nil. Jared Bowen again. Bowen again. I was just I was talking to you. Seamus Coleman is raiding down the right here um, to try and salvage something. I was just just saying to you as the goal was developing, JD. This is a shambles. I mean, this just like loose tackling, and uh, despite the fact it looked like a sort of a four on one in the box for Everton defensively. Uh, Bowen got onto it and just looking at the table here and we we're just talking during the break so Everton at the moment are they're, they have uh, they're two points off Leicester um, who are in seventh last so it's they, they just scored by the way Leicester won all against Brighton Mark Albright it's eminently fixable if they bring in a manager but just looking at the body language of that player is like if Lampard survives to the next game I'd be astonished absolutely astonished because they've clearly given up on him yeah, and it's kind of worrying times as well. I don't think it's actually right. You have these um, camera phones and you have Yerry Mina being confronted, Anthony Gordon being confronted. The director's told, don't go for your own safety. They nearly pulled him back there, Everton, but they didn't. Um, it's a little bit concerning, I'd have to say. Mm. Um, like I think yes. there is a line, and uh, I was just going, one win in their last 13 in all competitions is the stat. Mm. And to lose at home to Southampton uh, it was a, a poor result, and then they're now losing to another team down the bottom in West Ham. Um, is it the case? I'm sure you've been there, Stephen Elliott, a few times when the players almost down tools and other paid professionals, but sometimes they're waiting for a change of management. Yeah, well, that, I don't know whether they're kind of doing this. Poor. I'm sure they get on with, with Frank Lampard and that, but if they continue with Frank Lampard, there's, there's only one way they're going. You look at says said there that the next two games is Arsenal and Liverpool as well, and. I know Liverpool aren't in great form, and anything can happen in a derby. But it, it, it just, just doesn't look great. It's not. It's even the manner of the performances. It's just we talked about Liverpool playing poorly at the moment, but 
Everton are just, I don't know, they're just deflated. They look, they, I don't even know which way to try and play. It's it's bizarre. And again, it's, it's ultimately for me, it's down. I know you're, we were talking about being a lot of games and not time to kind of walk and stuff on the train and pitch, but it's got to be better than that. Like, then what? They're just. This is a massive game for them, and it looks like they're gonna they're gonna get a hammer in here. And I mentioned Frank Lampard speaking before the game today to them supporters, and the way he looked and the way he was speaking, it just this is not a major surprise to me. I just think they're gonna continue losing and losing. And again, it's it could be the championship for Everton, and it'd be a shame to see them in there because again, as a as a as a young lad growing up, Everton were always a kind of. A permanent fixture in the in the Premier League. Obviously, they had a, a great spell in the eighties where they won a couple of titles and they were one of the big teams. But I think that kind of bubble is is going to burst this year. Excuse the point playing against West Ham, but no, I, I, I don't know. I just think it's very unlikely they'll stay in the league. I think other teams around them are starting to pick up form as well, and there's a little bit more fight in other teams. And you don't know who to turn to. The manager's certainly not lifting the place. So the only thing you can think about, like Johnny said, there is bringing somebody else in and. And kind of hoping that that has the desired effect because at the, I know, listen, I know it's still a halfway to go, still a halfway of the season left, but it's just very worrying. It's there's just nothing happening at that that football club that would fill me with any confidence whatsoever. 1950-51 was the last time Everton were relegated from the top flight of English football. Got a lot of Irish fans seen as the Irish club in Liverpool. Yeah, and time. and and moving from Goodison, JD. I mean, I, again, I'm I'm going on. I haven't been to that many Premier League grounds, but you're going on the TV. Goodison is have you really been to Goodison. No, really, I have, yeah, it's really fantastic. atmospheric, fantastic. Like, you know. And obviously, moving to the the new ground, and I I I think it, you kind of um, I mean, Spurs moved to a new ground that you know by all accounts is great, but like a lot of the time you lose your soul, and it is kind of sad. But at the same time. You look at the teams down there, the likes of Bournemouth, Wolves, who were poor, I thought, against Liverpool the other night. Um, Leeds, Leicester, even Forest, um, Palace. Like Ever- Everton just probably do need to make a change and their situation isn't isn't that bad uh, in terms of their points with, with the view to the second half of the season. Yeah, nine managers in seven years. I think Farhad mashiri has got a lot to answer for and uh, an owner that has not been successful, you'd have to say, in, in the Premier League. Uh, Leicester won, Brighton won, as I said. A drone has uh, made an appearance in the Southampton Villa game. So the players have gone off the pitch in that one. Uh, West Ham 2, Everton 0, Bournemouth 1, Nottingham Forest 0, Liverpool 0, Chelsea 0, a result from earlier. Crystal Palace and Newcastle kick off at half five. Um, in the rugby, uh, Leinster are leading, uh, as you'd expect, uh, 7-0 against Racing at the Viva Stadium. So that's what's going on there. Uh, Leinster just, you know, we know they're probably going to be in the final, but can they win it this year in the Champions Cup? we got commentary of Munster tomorrow uh, against Toulouse. Uh, Bordeaux-Begley 10, Gloucester 5, Northampton 13, La Rochelle 31 is a result. And another result, Harlequins 39, Sell she Sharks 29. So 39-29 for Harlequins over the Sharks, a win for them. Um, Longford deservedly uh, have won the uh, Auburn Cup. Uh, they fulfilled all their fixtures, 3-13 to Louth, 12 points at Pierce Park. Uh, Antrim uh, two fifteen Galway one thirty one so win for Galway in the Walsh Cup and hurling and in the ladies National Football League Division one uh, round one sponsored by Little Galway eleven points Donegal six points at Tune Stadium two o'clock start we kind of had threw it out there listeners last week we got a great response about phrases that annoyed you in football and cliches of pundits and managers and uh, and players. Um, Michael Alise was really interesting during the week for Crystal Palace. He barely celebrated scoring an absolute sensational free kick to equalise against Manchester United. A small fist bump. But uh, uh, listeners out there, 53106, your favourite celebrations, the best celebrations you've seen in football. What, 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 what was the thing that really grabbed you? Uh, and even if you're a junior player or whatever, have you got any kind of uh, amazing celebration that you uh, use? Stephen Elliott, uh, 
were you a man for the running around the pitch and taking off your shirt and whipping around the top of your head and any crazy celebrations that you got involved in as a striker especially? No, listen, it, de- it depends on the goal you score. Obviously, I've scored a few goals where you kind of, that have been important goals and for example, one that comes into my head, I remember scoring a late equaliser in the Edinburgh derby against Hibs at Easter Road and there was like 5,000. We'd just been sent, uh, been put down to 10 men. Our, our captain had been sent off and it looked like all the hips, the hips crowd were going man- mental, and I scored the equalizer to make it two two each late on, and there was about five thousand, six thousand Hearts fans behind the goal, and, and he went mad. So I kind of, I just rented the rented the side and kind of probably celebrated a little bit more than what I usually would. I actually got booked for the celebration, which was bizarre because I didn't even leave the pitch, but because all the supporters now ran onto the pitch and stuff, then the referee kind of said to me, "You instigated this kind of crowd scene." I'm thinking, well, what do you want me to do? Just kind of do an Elise and walk back, like you know, but. Maybe I should have done that, but yeah, it all depends on the goal, John. I remember I scored like for me as a Liverpool. I, I grew up a Liverpool fan, and I, I really didn't like Man United as a kid. I don't particularly love them now either, but I respect what they've done over the years. But as a Liverpool fan growing up, I always obviously there was that rivalry there. So I managed. I was lucky enough to score against United for Sunderland, and we were the only problem was we were two 0 down, and <laughs> like there was only fifteen minutes left on the clock. So it was one of them where you scored. It was actually a pretty good goal as well. Like and, and you're thinking, God, I really want to jump into the crowd here and go bananas. Pipo and, and Zaggy should have come out. <laughs> yeah, but so basically it's one of them where you're going to run back to the halfway line and you kind of watch the rest of the team, come on, we're still in this. And then uh, I think Wayne Rooney or something scored a minute later. So that was that. But uh, now, now there was it. I wasn't one for going mad. Obviously, it depends, depends on the goal. Like, and I've seen that incident. Listen, that was a bit bizarre. I don't know. I think you score a free kick like that. To kind of in the last last kick of the game to get an equaliser against United, you, 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 I probably would have celebrated that a little bit more. But listen, each to their own. You can't really. Yeah. Everybody has different views on 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 what he should be doing on a football pitch. But I think once he says he's only doing his job, but listen, it was a pretty good job he doing, wasn't it? Yeah, sensational free kick. We'll preview Arsenal against Man United uh, showdown tomorrow in the second hour of football Saturday. Tardelli, obviously, for me, is yeah, the greatest. That's, the iconic that's one, how yeah. you should live your life. In the, yeah. If you live your life the way he celebrated that goal, you'd be doing your, uh, okay in your life. And I think the most crazy thing I've ever seen was Adebayor um, when he scored for Man City against Arsenal, running <laughs> the length of the pitch to goad the Arsenal fans. Who, and they were lucky. He was lucky he had stewards that day, I have to say, because that was a... Kespoya was mad. Remember that Newcastle? Yeah, kicking the, kicking, kicking the hoard. Yeah, Kespoya, yeah. yeah. Um, that was a bit weird. The, the, you know, the, the funny thing about uh, Adebayor was like, like I will never, never condone what fans do, but like in an instant like that, well, I mean, if, if you do that... In it was front incitement. Of ten, it's incitement. If you do that in front of 10,000 people, half of them might already be tanks, and it's it's the game of this yeah. magnitude. Sorry, like... Yeah, you it, was, know. It, was a, it was a bizarre <laughs> it was a bizarre situation. I don't think we're ever going to see the likes of it again in football. Uh, we got to take a break for uh, the news. Uh, just let you know, in the Premier League, Bournemouth won, not in Forest Hill, halftime. Also, halftime scores, Leicester won, Brighton won, and West Ham 2, Everton nil. Real trouble for the Toffees. The game between Southampton and Aston Villa has resumed after that drone. Uh, goalless with two minutes to go to the break, and uh, Liverpool nil, Chelsea nil. a score from earlier on, a result. Uh, Crystal Palace, Newcastle, half-five start. In the Championship, it finished Coventry 2, Norwich 4, Halftime scores Birmingham nil, Preston 2 uh, Bristol City nil, Blackburn nil. It is Cardiff nil, Millwall 1 QPR 1, Swansea nil. It is Stoke 1, Reading nil, Watford nil, Rotherham 1 And Wigan nil, Lucian 1 Celtic thumped um, Morton by 5 goals to nil In the Scottish Cup today And uh, Leinster are leading by 7 points to nil Against Racing 92 in the Heineken Champions Cup Stephen Elliott, Dan McDonald joining us after the FEI AGM And Johnny Ward on Football Saturday between 4 and 5 After the news, don't go away 
Off the Ball Daily. And welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you three to five. This is Football Saturday. Remember, football and off the ball brought to you by Sky. The Premier League is back. Watch every live game for the rest of the season on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106. Tweet us out off the ball. Listen across your uh, radios across the country on News Talk. Also, watch us on YouTube and Facebook and the OTB Sports app. Join on the line by the former Republic of Ireland striker Stephen Elliott and by the football correspondent of the Irish Independent, Dan McDonnell, and in studio by the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward. Dan, uh, you're joining us now from um, the FAI AGM was on today. Anything interesting come of it? Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't say you missed a huge amount, John, if you if you if you weren't present for it. But um, no, it's just a bit of bit of democracy, which has not always been the case at uh, FEIA GMs over the years. They had some board members to to ratify. There was um, Nevo Mahoney was um, I think an old college uh, mate of Johnny Ward's, no less, was uh, was added to the FEI board for the first time. Uh, she was voted on, um, but this was the big development was um, Tom Brown, who was the representative of the underage football, the, the schoolboys association, uh, went forward for the same sort of vote. You know, there was X amount of people in the room, I think 100 people in the room, um, 90 odd were voting in, in each one. And the vote came through that he'd lost 46, 44 and he was gone. That was it. Um, you go forward for the board, you think you're going to be re-elected and you're not. So um, there was a little bit of internal wrangling around that, I think, in his constituency. I'm not going to get bogged down into the weeds of that. Um, you know, Packy Bonner was re-elected. Robert Watt was re-elected. He's sort of well-known in the in the news sphere as a, as a sort of a high-ranking civil servant and so on. Um, but yeah, I suppose, I mean, I, I was trying to think of the last time where someone sort of went forward for re-election and, and the room said no. So um, I suppose there was a time in recent memory where um, nothing happened at FEI AGMs other than sort of, uh, you know, glorious speeches praising glorious leaders. So, um, you know, this is, this is something that happened today that may only be interesting to a, a small number of people, but it's still something that happened. So uh, beyond that, not, you know, just the, the usual stuff from the floor. Um, there's a press conference afterwards where, a few things were touched upon, which will be teased out in the coming days, but uh, nothing remarkable in short. No speeches from uh, Roy Barrett, maybe a, a closing speech or Jonathan Hale or anybody? Or... Well, it's just, Roy Barrett did do a press conference last week, but the thing about it is, is that while Roy Barrett has stepped down from the board, he may well end up remaining on the board for most of 2023. He is there until he's formally replaced and there's a process um, involved uh for that to happen, which will certainly take months anyway. So um, he will presumably at some stage in the future um, give some kind of closing speech or comments, but uh, that didn't happen today. Um, As I said, a lot of the business was more, uh, I suppose, internal, procedural, electoral stuff. There was a slightly unusual um, contribution. But again, you know, the floor should be opened up to anyone to speak. And um, this character called Nixon Morton, who'd previously um, been involved in uh, sending a few letters to the council and whatnot, got a little bit of publicity. Um, he stood up and spoke at length about the FBI's relationship with FIFA and UEFA and expressed concerns about FIFA and Qatar and um, you know FIFA's general governance over a period of time and uh, UEFA's handling of the Champions League final last year, which is again a little bit unusual. But I mean. You know, we, we've had choreographed AGMs before where everyone knew before they went in everything that was going to happen. 
at every particular moment. So I guess a little bit of the unpredictable is no bad thing. Anything on funding or anything on the way forward or, or any kind of mood music around that or is that, this not the day for that? <laughs> well, I, I think it is. It's always the day for that, John, to be honest. like um, It's not that there was anything to decide or discuss here. Just but again, get into it in great detail. This was the second half of an AGM, a resumed AGM, which was supposed to take place and finish before Christmas. But it was, it was was that one was carried out virtually and it was just beset with, by technical problems. But So there was no speeches and stuff which would have taken part in the first half of the AGM uh, in December. Um, so there was a little bit of that then. I mean, I suppose what I'd be more interested in generally as regards the FEI and where they're going, and we talk about it every time, but you can't talk about it enough, you know, as, as facilities, infrastructure, funding. Um, we, we well know that years of sort of mismanagement and mistakes have left the FEI in a bad financial position. I think we all know um as anyone sort of invested in the future of football pardon the pun that you know facilities are inadequate and this wasn't the league of ireland is the most often the most visible representation of that and um, but but that will also be a, a familiar complaint of people in clubs around the country too what's happening at the moment basically is that the fei say they're in the middle of putting together a substantial submission that will go forward to government for consideration uh, at some stage this year and hopefully the sooner the better um there's been a change in government recently in terms of uh, thomas byrne replacing jack chambers in terms of the minister for sport jack chambers would have been at a lot of events he would have been i suppose um, a lot of networking involving him but you know people in the department underneath him would still be there as civil servants i think uh, roy barrett made points last week i think they would have been touched on we would have touched on it briefly towards the end of the show last week about i suppose the deficit that does appear to exist in terms of funding for football relative to other sports there's historic reasons for that sometimes that's just not navigating the funding world well enough and knowing how to look for this money but um you know we will sit here and get excited about uh, Evan ferguson and uh, whatever other young players are making waves on a saturday andrew uh, amoba Bedelli is back in the norwich team for example um, and often a lot of these players are produced in spite of the reality here rather than because of it um, and at a point in time where uh, there is more emphasis on, on Ireland to take control of its football destiny this is this is my general frustration sometimes around the FAI there's so much talk about personalities and power and politics and who's going for this seat and who will get that seat and you know what does this mean for my wing for my parish for my section you know rather than maybe putting all that to the side and, and, and agreeing stuff that will is you know affect sort of tangible change over a decade you know two decades so we're not always talking about football as the per relations so um they say there's plans in place to get funding it's up to them to i suppose make the you know to present the case that allows it to be delivered okay uh dan will be joining us for the rest of the uh, show between now and five o'clock bournemouth one nottingham forest nil uh, Leicester won, Brighton won in the Premier League. Uh, West Ham 2, Everton 0. Half-time now, Southampton 0, Aston Villa 0 because uh, it was a drone on the pitch of St Mary's and uh, they had to get rid of it, so that's why they're a bit delayed. Liverpool 0, Chelsea 0. Uh, in the Championship, uh, it ended. Norwich, as uh, Dan was saying, 4. Coventry 2. Uh, latest scores, Birmingham 0, Preston 2. 
Uh, Bristol nil, Blackburn Rovers nil. It is Cardiff nil, Millwall one, QPR one, Swansea nil, Stoke one, Reading nil, Watford nil, Rotherham one, Wigan nil, Luton Town one. It was a postponed match, Blackpool and Huddersfield. We asked uh, Stephen Elliott in the first hour, Dan, you must be interested as well to see Mick back in management, Mick McCarthy. Yeah, I am. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly sure this panel was together at some point in the past uh, talking about Mick taking some job or other, yeah, probably maybe Cardiff well or, <laughs> or Cardiff maybe. Um, or maybe it was Applewell. Maybe it was the first one after Ireland. Yeah. But either way, it was the general the general tone of our discussion was you know, the addiction to football that, that must exist there. You know, Mick McCarthy doesn't need the money, I would think, you know, after his sort of uh, his years in the game. Um, and like, I mean, I just think it's incredibly, it, it is impressive that you're willing to go again. I mean, I suppose, um, you know, you, you do see these can, you know, these candidates knocking around the leagues who keep going, but you also see young managers, you know, at, at 40, 41, 42, who are completely burned out, but the game completely burns them out. Um, and I think for him to go again, I mean, Blackpool is not a particularly glamorous job it is a championship job you know it's 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 you know it's great to get an opportunity at that level it's a firefighting gig it's a club that's had a few issues off the park in recent years um things haven't been all that harmonious and i I mean they're not a big budgeted club in that division so things are weighted against them so he doesn't really need the hassle uh of doing it but he's he's addicted to the game and he wants to be involved in the game and i suppose he strikes me as someone that um, retirement wouldn't suit him, you know, because he wants to be at the cold face of it. So, again, he's done it in the past. I'm sure you've discussed it before, before I come on. Like, he's very good in these situations um, to come in and sort of uh, rescue a situation and get the results they need. And, yeah, Andy Lyons is there, as we know. Um, we're obviously uh, invested enough in, in Andy Lyons and CJ Hamilton as well, particularly Andy Lyons, who's, you know, big opportunity in his career to go to England, to go to a club, to go to a manager who presumably wanted him, and then he's gone after two games. And these are the things in which careers can turn sometimes. But you would hope you know, Mick McCarthy, someone who's very always open to bringing players from Ireland to the UK, uh, you know, Stephen Ward, Matt Doherty, amongst others, he'd be well disposed to Andy Lyons in terms of giving him a giving him a chance too. He um Dan mentioned Omo Bamadeli as well coming back to you. You think that's um it's that it's just a, an extension of the sort of little good news stories that Stephen Kenny has had with view to um March and um I think you know he's uh, he has the backing of, of of an FAI board that um whatever you know you can say about it and you know maybe some people will, will have some questions in in terms of the FAI board that that has backed him and things are fairly stable in that regard and he can look forward to this campaign and Omar Bamadeli we got to remember how he you know he lifted the crowd in that game against um, Serbia and how how good he was in that second half um, along with Gavin Bazunu and um, you know a lot of young players principally obviously Evan Ferguson um, doing well last week obviously um, a lot of Irish scorers Alan Brown scoring today so um, things are looking cautiously positive ahead of this campaign for all that we've an awful lot of work to do. Uh, some comments on YouTube. Paul Byrne, what's this agenda against Thiago about? He's clearly Liverpool's best midfielder. And Brian adding, Thiago's excellent. It's the others around him that are the issue. Fabinho's after falling off a cliff. Mm. Henderson's done at the top level with 12 months. Uh, Klopp picking Elliot doesn't help either. Yeah. At it's, right centre midfield. It, it's not, obviously, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure out Thiago, such a gifted footballer. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I see a little bit of a fish out of water in that Liverpool system. I. I don't really know what what his role is. And 
somebody can maybe explain to me, some of the Liverpool fans, what's Thiago's role in terms of keeping them ticking over? Because I don't see it. And I, I, to me, t- today they looked a totally dysfunctional team for much of that game. 5-3-1-0-6. Um, uh, I hope uh, Ferguson isn't rushed into the Ireland team, but is there a world in which he declares for England if uh, Southgate and the FA come calling? To Absolutely Michael not, Kerry. That's not going to happen. John, like that is just the, the most rubbish discussion I think I've ever heard in my years of journalism. I think that is has to be the top of the list. I mean, it's like it's post Declan Rice traumatic uh, syndrome of some description. Grealish. Yeah, well, but I mean, it's just. I mean, I mean, Rice went pretty far, but like. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you, you're just stirring up fear for no reason. Like, I, I don't think it's fair, and even on on Evan Ferguson, you know, it's just just an absolute nonsense. It's not even worth. I mean, I mean, you you read it out, and naturally you have to respond to it. But just anyone out there, just don't pay any attention to that. It's complete rubbish. Yeah, I have seen it in other places as well because it's a strange uh, yeah, it has headline been out there, in the yeah. national paper. I was like, what? This don't is believe this not even a story. Like, literally not don't a story. Actually, have a piece of guard Southgate about tomorrow. But, listeners, uh, listeners out there, <laughs> it's a non-story. Evan Ferguson's Irish. He's not going to be English. It's not going to happen. It's okay. It's not going to happen. Okay. Uh, five three one zero six. Uh, we also have goal celebrations after the Olise thing during the week. Hi lads, Damien Duff celebration. The O two World Cup Saudi Arabia was brilliant. Sean Boyd repl- uh, replicating it in a dead event last season too. Loved it. Says Connor in Dublin. And Eric Cantona at Old Trafford, December ninety six. Chipped the keeper in off the top corner of the stanchion. Just stands on the spot and turns 360. He was actually seeing some to a Twitter uh, kind of thread on Eric Cantona. Was, uh, 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 he got into a lot of trouble when he was in France before the whole Kung Fu kick. So he, he wasn't, um, uh, you know, uh, somebody who just came to disciplinary issues when, when he arrived at Man United. So it's, it's, it's worth uh, you know, kind of investigating his early He was a career. hothead. Do, do, do you remember, um, was it against Swindon Town, John Moncur, he stamped on him? Um, Cantona had a... Like, Man United had a lot of very hot characters in that team. Yeah, That's Ferguson's, one of the reasons... That is one of the, and exactly, And that is one of the reasons why Sleeves and I absolutely hated them as kids. And it was like, they were they were not a likeable team. <coughs> they got an awful lot of penalties at Old Trafford. Ferguson wasn't a particularly likeable manager. And Liverpool were no good as well. So that was essentially... Um, one of the reasons I didn't like them. But Cantona, the likes of Vince, Keane, obviously, Mark Hughes, they were hard men. Was it hate... Stephen, was, it wasn't as far as hate, was it? Was it hate? Nah. Uh, w- w- Football hate. I, I wouldn't say I hated him, but it just was frustrating, obviously, when you're in school and see all the Man United fans that come in with the with the jerseys on. I always remember the little string. Remember the little jersey that used to be tied up with the string? I remember seeing mm. him come in with them on over PA. Just wanted to choke them, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but now it's just, it was... It was you, mellowed, uh, you mellowed in your... In your, in your, in your yeah, that, that, man, that, that, that era of Man United was, was outrageous. The talent he had, like, it was just phenomenal. The players, I think Johnny mentioned a few, rattled a few off there, a few of the hard players. But even even the likes, of, you know, they just they just had a way of getting things done. And maybe that was intimidation as well. Was part of you've seen the way uh, Roy used to hound the referee, and then they'd all follow in behind them. And that was a little bit later. But yeah, I think you do need a little bit of that as well. Well, especially back back in them days, you needed a little bit of that to be successful. And, and Man United certainly had. Obviously, Cantona. When he came in, he, he was definitely missing a few screws. But on the football pitch, he was a genius, and he was he was somebody that really kind of he was kind of the finishing piece of the jigsaw for Man United. I think at, at that time, and he, he kind of carried them over the line. I remember when he came back off that suspension, actually, and he he scored a, he scored a penalty against Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, that day when well, Liverpool the, on the, on the gone two one sleeves. Mm. Sorry, Liverpool went ahead in that game, and of course, Cantona had the last laugh. Yeah, he came on, he scored a penalty, and then he obviously stood up and he kind of st- he swing around the pole on the board and something mm. like that, and just mm. stood up. But now, nah, listen, that 
it was a great rivalry, like just the fact that Liverpool never won anything. But again, it looks like it's, it's starting to kind of, if you're looking at the two teams now, it's starting to go, go, kind of go in that Man United direction again, which yeah. we'll see what happens. But I think Ten Hag should be given great credit for, for the way he's kind of turned things around. That, that, that era as well, Judy, Sorry to interrupt. That era, like you got to remember after Italian 90 and sort of US 94 and I was a kid growing up and I think a lot of people that listen to our show regularly would be of a similar age age to us like late 30s early 40s where they remember how massive the Premier League became and how if if you were a kid here we go this is it this is it and the rivalry between my friends and I in Newbridge County Galway where we would like um, even as 12 year olds we'd go to the to the local pub because that was the only place we could watch it drink like cans of coke and watch Liverpool Man United and like we, we it was a it was a serious serious rivalry like I will definitely go as far as say I hated Man United as a kid pub crisps pub crisps and um, the pub would be packed because the Premier League absolutely took over I wasn't into the League of Ireland at the time and if you were of a certain vintage I remember my dad coming home out of the blue He was there was a satellite dish going up in the gaff and I got came home one day from school and I probably hugged my father for the first time ever like that was I was infatuated and, and the Liverpool Man United rivalry yeah. for me I hated them sleep. is this therapy lads I remember I remember I don't know if you remember like there used to be like a station I'm going back a long time here where there used to be like about nine different stations on the little boxes on the telly and Sky Sports used to be one of them in the little boxes and I remember I used to to watch the actual because we didn't have Sky Sports and I used to watch the matches on this little tiny box on a, on a portable telly in the house which looking back was absolutely mental if you think about all the kind of ways of watching the games now but it just goes to show you that was when the Premier League was started I always remember the, remember the three all, all game oh. Liverpool United yeah I remember that I remember watching that on a little box like on that like I said on one of them screens but listen I think that's for me that's that when you're a kid I think like you grew up they were the kind of games you look forward to and Again, I know, I know John starts singing "This Is It" there. So that, that's just kind of you hear that, and you kind of you just think of your childhood. And it's it's great memories, and obviously the game has moved on again. It's become this big commercially giant all across the world. Never mind just the UK and Ireland. And it's it is it's a game that just kind of intrigues everybody. But I, I don't think you you can't really forget its roots where it all began. I think that's why. Man United were so successful because they were the fourth team in the Premier League era that kind of carried the kind of baton for the for the Premier League. Sleeves mentions like that 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 that'll always be one of my favourite sporting memories was Liverpool coming back from three 0 down against Man United as much as Liverpool were shite at the time basically. I mean, excuse Graham, your language. Excuse my language. Graham Souness had taken over. I've watched back highlights of the game in the past. They were so bad defensively. It was unbelievable. But you remember like Neil Ruddock like was practically borderline. Was the Urban free kick in that day. Urban free yeah, kick yeah. went three 0 up. Um, could it be more? Nigel Clough got two goals. Nigel but Clough. you you got to remember as well, Jay. That was the day of the old cop. So it was like it was there was there were terracing, and um, there were primarily British or Irish players. And the the, the, the globalization and the massive massive money hadn't really. Um, and as much as I was a kid, and it probably made no difference to me. It was a, it was a different game back then. It was a working class game, and I mean tickets for that game were probably very affordable, even for somebody working class in Liverpool. But um, yeah, just I, I'd always have great fond memories of that. As much as I guess I got into the League of Ireland after. West Ham 2 Everton nil, Southampton nil, Aston Villa nil, Leicester 1 Brighton 1 Bournemouth 1 Nottingham Forest nil in the Premier League in the second half and Dan Man United Arsenal is just as big a rivalry in ways for the fans of those clubs about the Wenger and Fergie era and we've got a really good one tomorrow yeah, I was, I was actually just last night it was uh, when it generally just did, like, you, you flick around Sky yeah. Sports and uh, they were playing the full 90 minutes of an Arsenal Manchester United game in Highbury Um and it was got it was two all after an hour. And actually, to be honest, I switched over. I'm not sure how the game finished, but uh, was that a game Manchester United won four two? I might I might be that game. I'm not sure, but um, 
it was it sort of was striking a just watching Highbury, but b even just trying to what's the level of this game like you know relative to what you watch now you know and it's still like it was a bit of a patched up manchester united team in in some areas uh you know gilles grimondi playing at the back for arsenal and um there was sort of uh it was decent you know you sort of and like that is i think that is the era where you remember manchester united and arsenal i know for some people going back in time to the 70s and you know there would have been a little bit of you know the, the movement between the clubs and there would have been a, you know, a couple of uh, big games then but you I, mean, I suppose when you think of that rivalry you think of the late 90s and, and early 2000s really don't you i mean even the the era you're talking about there that's like the first wave of the premier league and it's like the second stage was the the arsenal manchester united one where it sort of started to elevate to another level with the the wenger against ferguson and um you know the uh the, the the sort of the the tension and the i mean the definite hatred that did exist you know between players of of those clubs um and yeah it's, it's strange that it's become a relevant game again i was only thinking earlier because i was at the agm so i didn't see liverpool chelsea um but i remember at the start of last season there was a liverpool chelsea nil all I remember i think we're chelsea down to 10 men at half time uh, yeah. I think it was a Saturday yeah, evening game. It was a 2-1 game, wasn't it? No, 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 I think it was nil all. I yeah. think it was nil all. Chelsea still nil all with season. 10 men. But Thomas Tuchel was the manager. And it sort of felt like this was a really big, oh, relevant yeah. Premier League game. And and now Liverpool-Chelsea today didn't really feel like that in the sense of like it's, you know, what it means at the at the top of the table. And, and Arsenal-Manchester United is back as a game of uh, of real substance. And... I think it's a good thing, really, isn't it? You know, and yeah. there's, there's, it's easy to sort of engage with the the story of both teams now. Um, I'd prefer Man United than Man City to win the league. Like, even as as a person who like the Liverpool Man United rivalry was all that I was brought up with. But right now, what Man United, uh, what Man City stand for versus what Man United have gone, kind of gone through, um, probably be slated for this. But I've no love for this Man City project whatsoever. Yeah. And I I think this is quite a likable Man United team. Yeah, I don't. I really don't like Old Trafford. Um, don't like Old Trafford. No. Sleeves, um, what what are you having? Man City or Man United? Who would you? Well, he's a City man. He's a City man. Yeah, yeah, Man City, hundred percent. Like again, it's Man City. I, I still have a soft spot for Man City. I think it's changed a little bit over the past. Well, since I since I was being at the club, obviously in the academy, and then in around the four, I think it's changed hugely. I think even the, I think even the support base has changed a little bit. There's a lot of younger fans. Maybe I remember going to Main Road, and like it was, it was like if, if anything, I always remember being a very passionate, noisy ground, and mm. everybody excitement and around the ground, around kind of Moss side. We'd play our academy games kind of not too far up Platt Lane from Main Road and we'd walk over with the fans and it was a great buzz. Whereas now there's this kind of sense of entitlement about City. But it's listen, I'm sure listen, they, they, they went through a long time of suffering, man. City when I first went over there, they were kind of lingering in, in, in League One when I actually forced put, put pen to paper uh, for Man City. So the fact that they're kind of a big powerhouse now, it's Listen, the supporters deserve it, but I do think, going back to what uh, Pep Guardiola said, I think the fans are maybe just a little bit, the expectancy is always there now, and they maybe don't get as excited as what they should. They've bought success, like, let's be honest. They've, bought, they've completely bought success. And that's, well, it's still success. You it's still success, have, you but... Still it, have to win. Yeah, he's Jack Walker by success. Jack yeah. Walker was a local businessman, though he wasn't a petrol state. Like so, it's like that's why I can't warm to a project like this. And maybe like my brother said to me during supporting Liverpool all his life, he's like, if Qatar take over Liverpool, and I never thought I'd hear him say this, like I probably won't support them anymore. I don't want to be. Yeah, like, but but, but John, you say that if you go, if you go, it's always been that case, really. If you look back on it, yeah, because even before our time when Liverpool and Man United were strong and the kind of 
70s, 80s, like they were only strong because any the best players were signing for them clubs. They were able to offer them, albeit it wasn't the money that was around nowadays, they were still able to offer offer them the, the, the highest amount of money in the league at that time. And then the better players went to Liverpool and Man United. So mm. it's always kind of, if you, you can't really say that. You still have Didn't to go to Man City, though. Know Man, Man City were traditionally like a club that were totally, but then they just got all this money from yeah, Qatar but, but and then Johnny, it was, everything was but grand. Johnny, but, that, but that's but Johnny, the, the flip side of that is a bit like sort of. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. it's like you know you're the top of the tree so you should always be there you know now obviously the Man City one is is like it, it's because where the money is coming from and it's a little bit more sort of unsavory and the Newcastle one is bringing things up a notch as well but I do agree with Sleeves okay I mean Liverpool and Manchester United in some ways Liverpool had the boot room and you know Manchester United like you know they had home produced players you go back over a period of time and the clubs have great tradition but tradition doesn't win your trophies doesn't sustain you up there and like uh, the idea of someone else buying into it isn't really such a bad thing in the, in the, in the sense that like that's that, that's the Premier League that's what it is it's just where the money is coming from that's that's more of an issue but it's not as if just because you're a big club you have a divine right to suddenly be up there and Man City you just shouldn't be Man City had success at a point in their past too Um so it's not as if everything should just freeze at one point and they are your big clubs and that's it. Um, but look, but look at the money. Everything spent over half a billion. They're they're going to probably go down. United have spent over a billion on transfers. Since the the, to go. Thing, you need to make sure you're bringing the right players in, away. like and, and kind of your, your recruitment team needs to be right. You can't just say, "Oh, I'm going to spend fifty million on a player," but because I spent fifty million on him, that means he's going to be a, a success. You have to go and analyze these players, like. And, and look at them and make sure they're the right fit for the for the football club. Yeah. So I, I, listen, I do understand Man City are powerhouse, but you still have to you still have to get a manager in there to manage the ego, to kind of manage the rotation, to keep players happy, to keep them hungry. Because no matter how good you are, if you, if you lose confidence and you you're not playing regularly, that hunger might go. So no, I think it's it's I think you're being a little bit harsh on City there. There's got to be a lot of fans, we see Man City fans of our age and older who would pine for the days in Man Road when felt like their club rather than this, even though they've had all the success. That might sound ridiculous, but success does come at a price. Well, I do get your point that they are owned by a uh, entity that ha- is bought the club for geopolitical reasons. Yeah, the same exactly. reason as the Newcastle ownership has, they, has were they, were they born, The same reason why Qatar got the World Cup. Yeah, were they born in Arabia with this dream of taking over Man City? Absolutely not. If you're a Man City fan all your life, that's something that's something that's really in you, that's so deep. Like, you could now, say the same thing about the Glazers, about the Fenway Sports Group. Do they have a dream of buying Liverpool? They did it to make money. That, so that, That's the other end of like the capitalist kind of football system, that they did it actually to profit, whereas they're, they're not doing it to profit. They have so much money it doesn't matter it's geopolitical reasons but it's like does is the Etihad a sterile environment compared to what Man Road Man Main Road was when Man City weren't that great yes oh to have a British owner like um, Joe Lewis um, at Tottenham and uh, they never do anything uh, West Ham 2 Everton 0 uh, Southampton 0 Aston Villa 0 uh, Leicester 2 Brighton 1 so Harvey Barnes has put the Foxes in front a much needed uh, score for them Bournemouth 1 Nottingham Forest 0 ended goalless between Liverpool and Chelsea in the Championship Bristol City 1 Blackburn 1 it ended Coventry 2 Norwich 4 uh, latest scores Birmingham 0 Preston 2 uh, Cardiff 0 Millwall 1 QPR 1 Swansea 0 Stoke 2 Reading 0 Watford 1 Rotherham 1 and Wigan 0 Luton 2 so just before we go to the break some texts um, 
You know, uh, we have um, Klinsman's Diving Celebration from his first into Spurs. John oh, yeah. was a classic celebration, says Adrian. Uh, Thiago kind of times delay his pass slowing attacks up Liverpool neither solid right full and allow Arnold the freedom of the pitch. Uh, lost count the number of times Thiago lost the ball today. You're right. I'm not sure what they want him to do because he doesn't create anything, says Michael. And you're not on your own, Stephen Elliott. Myself and my dad watch gigs score the wonder goal against Arsenal on one of those small boxes on the TV, <laughs> says Ross. We're back with Stephen Elliott, Dan McDonald, and Johnny Ward on Football Saturday after this. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five. This is Football Saturday. We're joined on the line by the former Republic of Ireland striker Stephen Elliott and uh, with Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent, who's at the FAI AGM today. Also in studio is Johnny Ward, the broadcaster and journalist. Remember, our football coverage on Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. The Premier League is back. Watch every live game for the rest of the season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports in the Premier League. West Ham 2, Everton nil. Declan Rice nearly adding a third pretty grim performance from Everton today. Southampton nil, Aston Villa nil, Leicester 2, Brighton 1 and Bournemouth 1. Nottingham Forest nil and we also have in League One today uh, Conor Harahan scoring for Derby Uh, they lead Bolton by two goals to nil in uh, League One so that's the latest to what's going on in terms of the rugby uh, Leinster now behind uh, Rassi 92-10 Leinster 7 in that match so we'll keep you right up to date with that before the end of the show text in on 53106 Nothing worse than listening to a lot of Liverpool fanboys discussing how other teams have bought the league the sense of entitlement is with Liverpool and no other team Change the tune, says one of our textures. Well, you could listen to me talk about Spurs for two hours and uh, <laughs> never listen again. Um, five three one six. Why isn't anybody talking about Newcastle? Well, they're playing at half five uh, away to Crystal Palace, and they are um, unchanged uh, from the win uh, at Fulham or against Fulham uh, last week at St James's. So Crystal Palace making four changes from the draw against Man United. Joel Ward, Everetti, Eze, uh, Jeffrey Schlupp and uh, Jordan Ayew coming into the team. I believe, Stephen, were you on Radio Newcastle or something yesterday talking about Newcastle, yeah, were you? Yeah, uh, I was on the sports show there that cover um, obviously the two big northeast clubs, Sun and Newcastle. So, yeah, I think the, the Newcastle fans are getting fairly excited at the moment up there. They're talking about Champions Leagues and winning Premier Leagues and all sorts. So, you get a bit carried away. What's Eddie Howe getting right, um, Stephen? He's he's got a he's got a good squad of players there, like really good squad of players, and he's got them all believing in the system for a start, and he's got them hungry. They're, they're running hard, like off the ball, on the ball, and they they got some quality there. Like I think the, the signings that have come in have really helped. Obviously, Trippier, who I didn't think had a great game last week against Fulham, but he's he's proven quality in the Premier League. Obviously, he went away to Atletico Madrid and. He picked up a few tricks over there. You've got, obviously, Gomez. I know he picked up an ankle injury, um, but there's talk that he's involved in the squad this week. they got good strikers there. Callum Wilson, uh, Isaac comes in. He, he's come in. He looks a really exciting player as well. I think the fact that they're able to let Wood go out um, to the, the forest tells you everything. And I think Almiron, he's, he's been the standout this year. He's always kind of had that energy and walked really hard about the pitch but I think he's had the goals he's gone away he hasn't scored in a few weeks but he, he looks a real goal threat he's got he's with a smile touch. on his face leaves yeah he does and I, I think there was there was a bit of pressure on him I think he paid, I think at the time when he signed him he was a club record I think he paid 20 odd million for him and he came in and he, and he played well but he just couldn't quite kind of everything he kind of he was an early man for the first kind of 18 months but now he's starting to kind of add in product to his game and he's infectious as well I think the way he plays, he makes other players want to walk hard. But they've got a good, good solid unit at the back as well. Botman, the big Dutch, um, the big big centre half, he's a good player, big strong boy. They've got Dan Bourne playing left back, who's seven foot seven, and 
again they've got they've got really they've got they've got good threats in, in the bot in the box and both ends of the pitch and yeah they do they really look like they're the real deal at the moment and listen we all know about the money that they're probably going to have over the next few years so maybe the Newcastle fans have a right to get excited but they're they, they're definitely genuine contenders for these Champions League places when you watch them play even in the game last week I know Fulham missed the penalty Mitrovic when he when he kicked it twice but I think Newcastle were good value for the money and you always expect them especially at St James's Park to keep going right till the end and yeah, it's 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 a very tough place to go, especially when the crowd are buoyant and up for a fifty odd thousand there, and they all go bananas every week. So I think as well, sleeves like you'd, you'd kind of um, as much as you know we give out about the World Cup and we're still kind of captivated by it. Whatever about the money, like Eddie Howe, the job that he has done and how well they're playing, how solid they are defensively. Their goal difference is plus twenty two. Man United is plus eight at the moment, um, and if you see if they beat Palace, and the one thing about like. What was it like playing up there and being part of like the North the Northeast Derbies? Because like I have been to St James's Park and like that is a proper proper football city. Like and in fairness to the fans, you, you wouldn't begrudge them a bit of love as well. No, well the thing is the thing is with with the Northeast, there's not much else happening up there other than the football. So if your football club is doing well up there, then it, it means everything and puts it changes the whole mood of the city. And again, obviously I would be a Sunderland man, but you can't you can't you can't help but look what's going on. I think Eddie how when he went in there, people were saying. People were questioning whether he was the, the right manager. Obviously, he had been out of the game for a while after he's left Bournemouth and they were, they were kind of questioning whether he was the right man to come in and kind of deal with all this potential finance uh, of big players that were going to come into the club. And he's done a phenomenal job there. He, he, the thing as well, he's got the supporters believing too. And when you go and play there, it's, it's a very kind of hostile place. The, the stadium, it's a big, obviously, massive stadium and it's right perched right in the middle of the the city and you, you go there as an away away team and you know you're going to be in for a game but when they're playing well like that I, I, I think it, they'd give anybody a game especially especially at the St. James's Park at the moment and I think when uh, Mike Ashley left the club I think it gave everybody a lift up there I think there was a bad scent around the place when he was involved they just felt like he was taking they were taking money he was taking money from the club and just balancing the books every year staying in the Premier League obviously he had the Nites there Steve Bruce there managers that they weren't the way they played. It wasn't pleasing on the eye. But in fairness, the, these new owners come in and listen. They've got a lot of money, and they brought Eddie Howe in, who plays a nice brand of football. He, and the, the fitness levels of the Newcastle team are phenomenal at the moment. They kind of they press high, they get the ball back quick, and they get in the opponents half really quick, and they're very hard to play against. And if they if they win again um, this evening, then you can't you can't deny that they're definitely in for a Champions League place. I don't think they've got enough to kind of. To go and challenge the kind of top two, but if you're if you're Chelsea and Liverpool, and obviously you're looking at even the likes of Newcastle, you're thinking, can we even catch them? Do you know, so again, all credit to Eddie Howe. Like, and he, there's a big pressure on him up there as well, and he's managing it really, really well. And I, I think he's he's got a great kind of he's got great great way of speaking with the press as well. He never gets too carried away. And as you can see, I don't know if you see that. The, the pictures that have been posted by the Newcastle players and staff after games. There's great camaraderie there. And as anybody knows, has been in the football dressing room. And the dressing room is good. And it often leads to big success on the pitch. Sleeves, do I have some memory of you scoring against Newcastle in a derby game? I think... I think yeah, I, yeah I, scored, I scored there for Sunderland again. And it was a great... Listen, playing, playing in the derby, it was a great experience for me. I was young at the time. And you're kind of travelling to the game. And... It's, it's mad you talk about the old firm game but I know Sunderland are in the championship now at the moment but the 
the kind of the Sunderland Newcastle game is is, is as big as any derby. Like the, the hatred, it's and I, that's what I would describe it as pure hatred there between kind of Newcastle and Sunderland. And again, it's I think the supporters of both clubs. They, listen, they haven't had a derby in a long time, and I think when the derby comes along, the supporters actually. They enjoy it, but they don't. Like they, they, it's just a matter of getting the result, no matter no matter how. And obviously, I was looking up the score in the game, and it was it was a crazy experience. Obviously, we only had a couple of thousand right up in the gods in the stadium, and you don't you don't hear anything when 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 Sunderland scored. The, the, the kind of stadium kind of goes quiet, but again, when they scored, it's the opposite. The place goes absolutely crazy, and yeah, it's it's that's the only shame. It's a shame Sunderland have been yeah. kind of lingering in the, in the lower leagues because it's a great derby again from a neutral point of view to watch too. You see the passion of the two the two teams, but I think Newcastle now at the minute they look like they're kind of travelling in a in a really good direction. Some some sympathy for Everton JD. They've kind of given it given it a bit of a go in the second half, but six minutes to go. You wonder is it six minutes of Lampard's reign left? Uh, yeah. Two nil. I mean, this is a pretty poor and somewhat diffident West Ham side, and um, they've given it a goal, but it's it's just bleeding to a conclusion here in uh, yeah Cubby's last game, I guess. Pat Waterford just mentioning Peter Thomas, the former Waterford keeper, who mm. died during the week. So uh, yeah, I think he played for Galway United as well, and um, yeah, rest me. There's some lovely messages in Galway about him, and um, yeah, he he. Uh, Came down. I think he changed his his nationality to Irish as well because he he was. I think he was born in England, but absolutely. Yeah. He made a couple of appearances for the Republic of Ireland, Dan. I believe in the seventies. Yeah, he. I mean, we would have been at the the football writer, the soccer writers dinner last weekend, and like he's the previous winner of the the main award at that, which is probably difficult for a you know player in his position to do. So it's sort of a, it's sort of a yeah, it sort of speaks to his importance and his popularity. Um, around the game at that point, so yeah, certainly uh, it was tribute to him today at the at the FEI event because uh, I suppose to the older generation uh, that name would mean a lot. Five three one zero six. Hi guys, love the show. A couple of things. There was a cable link that had the nine screens. Oh yeah, uh, cable link. There we go. Uh, so you have the super channel on it as well. The super channel. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, and screen sport. Remember screen sport. Yeah. Um, and also uh, Thiago's luxury player you can accommodate him with a workhorse beside him in midfield but Liverpool don't have one now and finally for a team like City who said that the people of Manchester's club United have an unbroken run of naming an academy graduate on the league match today squad stretching back to the Busby Babes says John in Dublin on Arsenal Man United tomorrow Stephen Elliott can Arsenal go the whole way now can they win this thing I think of course they can you only have to look at the gap in the at the table at the moment That you, you keep waiting for them to kind of slip up and 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 go on a kind of run after what the only reason why you think that is because it's been so long since they've won a title and maybe the squad as well the squad isn't strong enough yeah but but there's been so many false dawns with Arsenal over the year but I think in Arteta he's he's a a manager that's listen he he could have been out of a job last early last year if kind of some people had had their own way but to be fair to Arsenal and and the board there they stuck with him and now they're they're kind of reaping the the rewards of that and they're going to be Man United tomorrow then. Yeah, they're, they're massive favourites to win the, the Premier League. I know, obviously, you could say if they pick up a few injuries that they've only got a strong kind of 11-12 players, but those 11-12 players are playing out of skin at the moment. And and players like Odegaard, who's, who's been phenomenal, probably one of the best best players in the league this year. And obviously, Martinelli, who, he didn't have the greatest of games last week against Sports, but he's still a constant threat. Saka as well, he, he's a good player. Party in midfield, he's just letting the other two... Inf- to, to kind of pl- loosen their strength, like kind of go on, express themselves and having the protection of him. And it's it's just a really, really strong team at the moment. Sinchenko at left back, they kind of brought that 
that winner mentality from Man City after winning the Premier League. Obviously, Jesus, who started the season really well, there was a little bit of worry with him getting injured in the World Cup, whether that would affect him. But it hasn't seemed to have a massive effect at the moment. And I just think winning the derby last week for them, obviously, at Spurs, it will give them another boost. And yeah, it's definitely definitely title challengers. I still think Man City are going to go on a big run. You know Man City are capable of going and winning kind of 10, 12 games in a row. Whether Arsenal can do that is... We wait and see, but they've definitely got a great chance of winning it this year. And who could begrudge them after the amount of time they've had without a title win? I, I, think, I think, yeah, last week was a big statement of intent. And I know, I, I, well, Spurs are d- d- Spurs, dreadful. Spurs, Spurs dreadful were poor, but Ar- like Arsenal, as much as you know, Spurs sort of had it, had they did okay in the XG in the second half to come into the game. Arsenal had them at Arsenal. It's not even a thing. It's, 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 it's certainly not when you're 2 0 up and you're kind of controlling the game. But the only game Arsenal lost this season was because corresponding game at Old Trafford when they were really quite unfortunate to lose the game. Um, and I wonder, psychologically, Logically, will that be uh, to be out for a bit of revenge tomorrow? If they win tomorrow, you know how many big, big games do they have left this season? Because they're a bit of a winning machine at the moment, Arsenal. And I know Sleeve says that about Man City, though. I don't think City have played well enough almost at any stage this season for you to be confident that they're just going to go on this mad run. Because are you calling Arsenal now? Um, they're favourites. You um, calling them? I, I, well, obviously, I'm not calling them. Like Anton Chigurh. And <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say they're favourites. I'm gonna say they're favourites, and I think you know that's they only became favourites last weekend. But um, tomorrow's big. Yeah, I, I call Man City, um, but my predictions are uh, notoriously bad. Dan, you calling it at the moment halfway through? Um, in fact, it is only halfway through. I still think I have to go for Man City, but it is getting to that stage where I mean, I know I know Johnny talks about you know Arsenal have you know how many big games that they have, but I still think. Yeah, they're a winning machine now, but they were they were surprising people as a winning machine. You know, becoming a winning machine with six six you know six games to go, mm. um, and you're playing. You know, that relegation battle is going to be crazy at the bottom. I'm not sure if they've proven yet they can steamroll the games you think they should win. So uh, I'm still with City, but I must admit, every week the sort of pendulum is swinging, and it gets to a stage where you think, mm, I don't know. But um, I think even City's comeback against Spurs the other night is a little reminder of. Yeah, they still have that gear they can find. So I'm still with City, but under I wouldn't slag anyone for going the other way, certainly. Hugo Keenan has put Leinster back in front 12-10 against Racine and also in the Premier League. Uh, Bournemouth won, Nottingham Forest won. Forest have equalised. Um, Steve Cooper's really turned them around uh, since he was given the vote of confidence and uh, Sam Surridge has got the, the goal of the equaliser there. 2-all, Leicester Brighton now. And Brighton also putting one back, and Evan Ferguson, it's get in, get in there. I was wondering, like, did he come on? Did he come off the bench? And let's—I mean, I was called out, JD, by an, an unnamed League of Ireland manager for saying, "Will you shut up about Evan Ferguson? You're totally overhyping it." And Dan was there at the time, and he sort of said, "No, no, you are right, but just shut up about him." You know, I was like, "Okay, you can't I, shut up I, now." Live on the radio here, across Ireland on News Talk, Evan Ferguson two two. He's, he's probably like jumping up the all-time Irish Premier League goal scorers <laughs> chart now. Um, Alison, that's great. I mean, like, I mean, I think the thing is, it's, and, and Sleeves will notice as well, like, Sleeves will notice, you know, very well. Like, it's so important how you manage these lads as well and taking them out of the team sometimes. It's not a crisis, it's what you do. You know, you give them the taste, then, you know, you, you sort of, you, you take them out of the firing line sometimes and you phase it back in. But I think as well, that says a lot about his character too, that, okay, you know, I'm sort of chatting the benches, go on, make an impression, and he's, He's doing it, and it's it's pretty good. 
Two goals good, off the bench in the last sort of five, six games. It's, it's just a shame I'm not there now for for Johnny to invade my personal space. Uh, it's okay. I'm sure he'll invade mine. Yeah. Uh, uh, Aston yeah. Villa have scored 1-0 away to Southampton. Ollie Watkins on the mark as well. Just want to ask you one question about United before we go. Vedvet course is a bit of a strange one. Rashford is flying. How do you see United at the moment? No Casemiro tomorrow, Stephen. Yeah, it's, it was a very strange sign. And obviously, he went to Bournley, never really done too much. And, and, and then he went away, but... I don't know. I think he's a bit of a, a, a stopgap kind of signing. I don't think he's going to be at Man United for years. I might be wrong, but I just don't think he he's... He, what I've seen, I know he came on and scored a couple of goals against Argentina at the World Cup, but I just don't know. I don't, I don't think he looks like a Man United player. I think there was talk of Harry Kane going to Man United today in, in the papers, whether I could see that happening. Now, I, I genuinely could see that happening. And if that happened, that's a game changer for... For Man United, but I just think it's a bit of a stopgap. But listen, he might he might be enough to kind of cement Man United in the Champions League places. I don't think Man United have quite enough to challenge Arsenal and City at the moment, but they're definitely going in the right direction. And we course, uh, um, might just do enough to kind of carry them over that line and cement them in that top four. Big Dundalk link in the game tomorrow, of course. You know, Arteta um, played twice against Dundalk during Shane Keegan's kind of reign, and Veghorst uh, was playing against Dundalk for AZ Alkmaar. Muscled out of the way by Kieran Kilduff for that equaliser, and uh, yeah, who who knows? Vekors, I think it could be be quite a clever signing for a bit of Plan B in some of these games. Just to clarify before we finish, Shady, I have watched the Evan Ferguson goal illegally here, and it's a very good header. Uh, arrives into the box with a perfectly placed header. So we, there we go. We have to disassociate off the ball from any illegal activity. Yes, we absolutely um, do. But it's um, legal in whatever country this has been shown in. Okay, yeah. we, 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 yeah. we're running out of time, and maybe it's a good thing. Uh, Dan McDonald and uh, Stephen Elliott, thanks so much, lads. Cheers, thank you. And uh, Johnny, thank you. Yeah, I am getting carried away, JD. But you know, when you when you haven't uh, when you haven't eaten coming for a off month, the bench, the score is interesting. Yeah, twice. You did against Arsenal as well, yeah, so you got to yeah. remember. Um, yeah, so things are good, and let's hope he keeps it up. France win the first game against New Zealand. I think that sets the tone. I think they're the best team in the world. I'm going to go Ireland. I'm going to get off the fence once and for all. This is our best chance. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now.